0: Welcome to another episode of Disciplology. Michael, we have a real treat today. Uh, We are joined by a couple. There are two people online with us today. Two Two people. Today we have Byron and Carla Weathersby, who I have known since my college days, but now they are running a family ministry that really is preparing a whole lot of people, a whole lot of Baylor Bears for marriage. Uh, Byron, Carla, it is a real treat uh, to get to know a little bit more about what y'all are doing. Um, start us off a little bit and talk to us about how this all got
1: started.
2: First of all, thank you for having both of us on. We're very, very honored to yeah, be a part of the really podcast. it's fun
1: to be with you, Michael and a- Andrew. It's always fun to c- reconnect with you. Uh, so can, go ahead. Well, I was just, uh,
3: Andrew has asked a very valid question. However, <laughs> I, I would, I would like to ask first, given that you guys have a rich past. Like, can you share something about college freshman Andrew oh. that might, I, I feel like maybe there's, does anything come to does You, you know, Andrew was
1: always in the library, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't see him very much. The couple of times I did see him, he was in, in chapel. Oh, okay. uh, good. Good, oh, good. Oh, wow. Lots True, of prayer. True story, right, Andrew? <laughs> of Try course, Andrew. yep. That's the way we I, I remember his it. Sister Jill. And then we literally, I think one of the first times we connected his freshman year was actually at Chapel, backstage of Chapel.
0: About I think that. that's right. Okay.
3: Yep. So you did, did go, go to, chapel. to
0: Chapel. I mean, we had to.
3: All right. So now so now then, I think that is about the <laughs> question. So Andrew, back to back to your back to your back to your question.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about legacy and how y'all got started.
2: So we started Legacy in 1995 and, you know, our son, we have three children and our firstborn son uh, was diagnosed with childhood cancer when we were five years into marriage. So we, we were a whopping 27 years old. We were only, um, he was only two years old and we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. We were in youth ministry. This was a, this was a few years before we started Legacy actually. But the the seeds of legacy were born out of this deep suffering when he was when he was diagnosed with cancer, and we had a newborn baby, and then our son Bo was two years old, and we saw the institution of church and family just come alongside of us in just deep and profound ways, and it changed us, and we we got to journey through uh, two years of chemo, radiation, hospitalizations, and Bo's doing great now. He's thirty two and has been married to his wife, Julie, for three years, and God spared his life. But in the process of that suffering and brokenness, we, we knew that we wanted to give our lives away for the church and the family. And so that was kind of where it all started.
1: So when, when we really jumped into this full-time uh, doing Legacy Family Ministries, we, we recognized that the family institution really does assist the church but the church is really crucial for the family institution, and and yet the marriage institution is is crucial for the family, and so all of those kind of fit really tightly. And we were planting a church in Waco, and we were the old geezers at thirty three on staff for this really <laughs> young church, and a, a, a twenty one year old named Chris C. and Dave Crowder were the guys planting this church and they were single. And so they came to us and asked us to do a marriage premarital for some of the folks who were getting married. And we didn't have the time with three kids starting this ministry that we wanted to do family camps and pour into the family. And we stumbled into doing a group uh, process of marriage preparation with five couples. And we wrote the curriculum as we went. Repeated it the summer, rewrote, repeated in the fall, rewrote and edited, and then just kept building on it. And then Lifeway actually published uh, that curriculum in 2017. So that's sort of uh, probably the long version of what we've been doing and how we how we how we got started,
3: guys. That. Andrew, I don't know if he's told you this or or not, but uh, it, listening to you talk, you know, I wanted to tell you. Uh, so my son Joshua, when he was two years old, was diagnosed with childhood cancer.
2: No way! Oh, yeah. wow. So he was a
3: leuke- It was he was a leukemia kid, mm-hmm. uh, and so we we were here in Nashville, and so we got all, all of our treatments at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, and three and a half years of chemotherapy and. Wow. He is 15 now and uh, and doing fine. Um,
2: Man, that's great. It's, I,
1: well, I, our hearts go out to you guys. You know and, what it
2: and, means, and, then to yeah. walk that road.
1: It's, it and, is. And, and we feel an immediate bond with you, too. It's I think weird like that, there's yes. There's just something about sitting in those rooms and watching those those chemo drips and the nurses with goggles on and gloves yeah. on. And, yeah. and uh, you know, just we, we saw a family. Even in that process, we saw families... The stress of that uh, cancer journey either broke families up or it really bonded them. Unfortunately for Carla and I, it, it it really solidified and bonded our relationship.
3: The same thing happened for us. I will never forget the you know we we were like three days into this journey, right? And and our our chief uh, hematologist, uh, who she she was and is not a Christian. Uh, but she's sitting down with us in in the room, talking about what the next three and a half years of life are going to be like, and some of the effects and, <coughs> and that kind of thing. Now, at that at that time, so this would have been in like two thousand five, two thousand six. So mm-hmm. at, at that time, for Joshua's kind of leukemia, you, you know, there, in the last twenty years, it was just an incredible reversal in the survival rates. So she was yep. she was really confident in his prognosis. So. I will never I'll never forget it. She sat us down at the table and she said, uh, guys, three and a half years from now, we're going to sit at this table again. And I feel very confident your son's going to be in remission. You will have had an incredibly hard road. But nine out of 10 couples that I sit with three and a half years after this conversation are no longer married.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So
3: she told us, our hematologist told us walking in that is you, you, you've got to realize the amount of stress that your marriage is about to come under. And if you're not careful, this will crush you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. it, I mean, it was an amazing piece of advice and knowledge to get like on day three of that Yes. Journey. Yep. Wow. Yep,
2: And so I'm sure y'all are like us when God brings you through that and he deep, not only deepens your faith in him and gives you everything you need and deepens your love for your family, it changes your life forever. And you never want to waste your life, you know, on, right. you just want to live your life super intentionally.
1: Well, yeah. it's the greatest experience we never, ever want to go through or never want to oh, see that's a great way to, to, put to put it.
3: Through. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Why do you guys think, uh, just on the subject of discipleship, I mean, why, why do you think that, that suffering like that is such a, a crucible for people to grow in Christ and to grow closer to each other. Because it, it really can. I mean, I'm going back to the hematologist's advice. It's like there's no middle ground here. Either it's going to shove right. you apart or it's going to weld you together.
1: Well, and also when they're giving you statistics, those statistics mean nothing. It's either It's going to work or it's not going to work. You're going to stay together as a couple You're, you're not, you know, the nine out of 10 means nothing (laughs) to me and Carla. It's Mm -hmm. we're either going to blow this marriage up or we're going to bond it.
2: Yeah. And I think I I like what CS Lewis says about pain um, and suffering, that it's God's megaphone. Uh, He whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. It's a megaphone to rouse a deaf ear. Mm -hmm. And I think for us in that crucible of suffering those two years and then for Bo, he had subsequent surgeries, like a lifetime of surgeries mm. after that. So it wasn't just two years and we're done. It was in and out of the hospital, trips being canceled. You know, everything turns upside down because he's had bowel obstructions and all kinds of complications that come after. Yeah, after such an ordeal, you know. Yeah. But I think in in that season, nothing really mattered much anymore, mm. and everything got narrowed down to what is life all about and. And we saw God work in huge ways that we would have never known before.
1: And I think to answer your question about discipleship, it's it's when those those trials that James, you know, chapter one talks about, but it also talks about it in, in Romans five. You know that, that that we can have peace, and but but the, it, it, it's talking about the trials that come against us or the the pressure. You know, it's kind of that long suffering pressure that presses in on us. And when it presses in on us, it, it, it helps us find a well-worn path. Yeah. And I think uh, you're, you're just pushed to either really dive in full speed, like I'm sure you and your wife did, of of really unleashing the spirit of God in your life, or uh, you just become so religious, you're miserable and you, you, you walk away from the faith. Yeah.
2: And I think uh, one, one other little story about that is early on when um, Bo was diagnosed, we didn't really know how it was going to go. We were in the throes of just this initial shock and our lives were turned upside down. We had a newborn baby and my sweet husband knew that I needed, I needed a like a night away. So there was a conference in Oklahoma City that Elizabeth Elliott was speaking at. Her husband was martyred by the Aka Indians or Aka tribe. And we all know that she went back into the village. You know, her story is just phenomenal. And one thing she said at this conference that just really was a framework for me for the whole rest of the two years was she said, pain and trials and disappointments are God's chariots coming to take us to heavenly places. And and I felt like the Lord was saying, get on board the chariot, Carla. It's not a steamroller to crush you th- to the earth. It's a chariot. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you you all of who I am and I'm gonna change your life in this season. And I really do think that um that was a huge part of what shaped us to want to give our lives away to do to to discipleship and to to helping couples make Christ the center of their family.
3: Well, no doubt. I mean, I, my goodness. By the way, that is an incredible statement that, that pain is not the steamroller to crush you, but the chariot to lift you. I, I think that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So we'll, we'll, we'll say that's Carla plus Elizabeth Elliott. <laughs> yes, absolutely, right. absolutely. <laughs> um, you, you guys obviously... Uh, have this rich, rich background of, of uh, all kinds of different experiences. And for decades, you've been pouring into families, um, as you said, to make Christ the center of your family. What, I mean, if you could sum it up, like, what does discipleship look like in a family context? Often around here, like Andrew and I will often talk about discipleship and we'll talk about it in all different kinds of ways but it's it's relatively rare that we have the discussion about discipleship strictly in a family context. So what is that uh, what does that look like to you guys?
1: Yeah, the 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 our mission for what we do is to pass on biblical principles from one generation to the next. And I think that's a starting point, but you know, if 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 you walked into a chapel at Belmont or Baylor University or the University of Mary Hart and baylor and 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 ask how many of you came to faith through your family. Of those people who are Christ followers, probably 80, 90% of them would raise their hand. They came to Christ through their family. So it's the greatest evangelism tool that exists. And yet, if you follow that up with the question of how many of you were truly discipled by your family? The, the the hands would probably drop and you know just empirically I'm guessing that it would probably be more like 25 or 30 percent of the people that were really in, dis, intentionally discipled by by their their family and so part of that we see is yes it's the greatest evangelism tool that exists for the Christian faith well we could really make some great strides in our churches if we could pass on those biblical principles to the next generation by through discipleship.
2: And I do think it's more than just taking your kids to church. And I like how Brene Brown frames it. She says that who we are teaches our kids about God a lot more than what we say. And so we have to become the adults, our children, we want our children to be. And so as we all know, more is caught than taught. And so as they see you uh, really living surrendered and obedient lives to God and that He is like the main rock in the jar, uh, that relationship with Him and not just religion. I think and, and operating out of forgiveness and repentance and you know operating as a family out of authenticity and you are the same person at home as you are out in church and that's not a Sunday only thing, but it's a lifestyle and it's being super intentional about going against the grain of the world but but yet being lights in the world and not shielding your kids from everything evil but teaching them how to how to be a light in the darkness. Yeah.
1: And Carla used to say when our kids were younger, I, I, one of our objectives was to stay so close to God and be so filled with his spirit that that we we overflow and spill off over onto our kids and And they really get to see it.
2: The idea is to stay so close to God that he rubs off on you. And then you stay so, so close to your kids that, that you transfer your values in a Mm. heart connection to your kids. So if I'm so busy doing my thing at church, but I don't have a a heart connection to my kids and I'm not loving them and serving them and um, pouring into them, then they're not going to want my faith. So Mm. it has to be both.
0: That's wonderfully convicting, first off.
3: Yeah. As a dad, it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. what, so it's, and it's so compelling. I think every, you know, every dad, every mom, I think, I think every family wants that. Like they want that kind of family culture where that happens. Why? Do and you- I
2: think, I think one, one of my uh, big weaknesses that I'm so thankful God gave me a husband like Byron is I was just going to kind of beat the Bible into my children. And I was so so fearful that they weren't going to know God through his word. And, you know, we were going to sit down and have these family devotions. And, and I think Byron was such a balance to me, like, but we can have fun too. Right. right. We can laugh. Mm -hmm. And so to put a sweet taste of Jesus in their mouth by living on this great adventure of, of just making God so real in the tangible ways, not just Bible beating, you know, uh,
1: and God had a sense of humor of putting Carla and I together. <laughs> Carla's much more godly. She's got most of the New Testament memorized, <laughs> Whatever. And, and, and I laugh and say, "If I hadn't come into Carla's life, you know, she 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 probably would uh, be wearing a smock and making soap somewhere with about fourteen kids in a fifteen-passenger van. And and if Carla hadn't come into my life, I, I probably would be." Somewhere like living in Austin, Texas, uh, smoking pot and sharing Jesus, and and trying to figure out life. So we, not really. I really would not be smoking. Well, pot you know, the good, <laughs> the good thing about the good thing about
3: both of those scenarios is that both of you would be in a van at some point, right? Like it's, exactly. <laughs> true. So you meet That's you funny. meet in the middle.
1: Uh, so, but we 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 do balance each other out really really well, and and our kids do love Jesus. We we have messed our kids up at various points in times and they've they've had their fair share of struggles and issues but they're 32 30 and 26 and and they they love Jesus the oldest and the youngest are both married and they married spouses that passionately love Jesus they love and serve their church
2: and we're by the grace of God for it, sure it really
1: is the
3: uh you know what you guys are describing I'm I'm going to try to reword it uh, here a little bit um, and, and say, it, it sounds like what I'm hearing you, you say is discipleship in the family is a combination of structure, but also organic opportunities like you. And I I think that's true, not just in the family, but also in church, you know, when we talk, when we talk about setting up a, a process and a structure and a program for discipleship in a church, you want to have some kind of framework for the opportunities where people are going to, Learn from the Bible and encounter one another, but at the same time, you don't want to so over-program it that you remove the organic opportunities people have to relate to one another and learn from life on life on life. So, is that? I mean, is that fair to say that that the yes. of family ought to have yes. that combination?
2: I think so, and I think um, I just recently read an illustration that Jenny Allen gave about a vine um, and how we're we're to be about we're to be uh, you know discipleship in the Bible is talking talks about abiding in the, the vine and we're the vine that's abiding and you have to have a trellis for the for the vine to grow on and the trellis is the structure or the whatever the thing where the vine has to like grow on and that is exactly what you're saying. you know we abide in Christ and we we love his word and we love him and we trust him and but then you have to have structures to make that happen. so that's exactly right.
1: A a good example of that, Michael, was we were, uh, we wanted our kids, some folks in Tulsa, Oklahoma had, uh, done special things for their kids when they moved from being children to teenagers. And, and we also read a, a book that Walker Moore had written, who was a youth pastor at the time. And he had done some really neat stuff. And, uh, you know, Walker and was challenging us to really pass on those biblical principles to our kids. And so we wanted to do a rite of passage mission trip for our kids and, and spend a year when they're 12 years old moving to 13 to basically say to them, You're no longer a child, you're moving into being an adult, and we're gonna we're gonna spend a, a, a year of dad intentionally discipling you and walking through and, and they also had to do some other things like raise part of the the, the, the money, they had to earn part of the money to go on this trip, and they had to develop some uh, mission statements. We, we were pretty in, in yeah, intentional yeah, with yeah, the yeah. first one, and by the time the third one came along, we had modified it pretty significantly. Yeah, well, that's always but, the case with that third kid, right? Like <laughs> the, the first kid, I can remember with Bo, we met every Sunday afternoon, and it just kept getting more and more frustrating, and we were going through this this very structured program kind of thing and having him memorize these scriptures. And, 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 and he just wasn't into it at all. And I can remember uh, getting so angry and kind of grabbing him, putting him down on the couch and going, you don't understand. I'm a professional. I'm, I do this. for a <laughs> living. I work, with, I work with junior high and high school kids for a living and I'm darn good at it. And you sit there and we're going to go through this discipleship and you're going to pay, you know, and, and, and then I kind of woke up and went, what in the world am I doing? And I think by the time our third child came, we uh, went to breakfast and I, I had her come up with two questions a week and had her memorize just a two or three passages of scripture over the years. Uh-huh. My, my, my son would say, she had it easy. Yeah, that's but, right. That's but we right. really learned. And I, and I think both the of them... The trips
2: were amazing that you took.
1: Both of them, we were trying to be intentional. And I think Somewhat, God honored it, but the you know, obviously, the trips of them them seeing another culture and another world, and seeing the world through Jesus and how He sees it, and being able to give your life away. Yeah, uh, I I just don't think they're. Yeah, I think they're completely different people as a result of it. Yeah, I love that.
0: So we're nine years into a marriage, uh, decently young still into this marriage. Byron Carlo, what advice would you have for somebody like me? Um, that is doing a lot of things wrong.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> doubt if that's true, Andrew, at all.
2: <laughs> is this Andrew? Who is this? Yeah, this is me. Oh, this is Andrew. And, Andrew, hi, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say no matter what it takes, keep working hard to be the kind of husband and or spouse that your wife needs. And we've been to counseling a couple of different times and We've been on been to retreats just to kind of keep your mind and your heart um, just engaged in it because I think it's really easy when you're so different and when um, marriage requires so, so much sacrifice. And we tell our couples, marriage, like no other relationship, exposes your heart and demands your growth. And I like what Tim Keller says. It's like a Mack truck driving through your life, humbling your reactions and revealing your flaws. And that's just a gift that God gives us uh, to see that we are doing some things wrong, but yet He is right there with us to help us grow in sanctification, to grow to be more like Him so we can be the kind of spouses that sacrifice and serve and humble ourselves. And so I remember, you know, we had gone through a season, kind of year 15, when we were doing a lot wrong. It just felt like we were very distant. And so, Married, your seasons in your marriage will ebb and flow, but don't give up in the seasons that are in the valley. Because you, you, if you keep working and keep uh, persevering, you know, marriage is just a call to perseverance for sure. Mm-hmm. Perseverance and intentionality, and just uh, not giving up. And on the other side of that is the most beautiful, beautiful thing because. Then you get old like Barn and I, and we are each other's best friends. I mean, it doesn't mean we don't have our share of knockdown, dragouts, but for the most part, we are living some of our most fruitful lives in our marriage and most satisfying years in our marriage. And maybe you don't have to like we we could say that all throughout the marriage, but it's more consistently that way.
1: And Andrew, I would I would add to what Carla is saying too, of 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 sacrificing whatever it takes to constantly uh, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And, and one of the best definitions I've seen of a husband is that of house band, that you're, you're sort of the house band. You're reaching around to, to nurture and protect and care for and love. But really, you're trying to maximize your wife's full potential. And I think for me to unleash Carla's full potential of her being who God created her to be and all this stuff that she's quoting, all of these these things that she, that's coming to her head, we don't have anything in front of us on, on a piece. of there's, She's not reading this from a piece of paper. She's got that stuff in her brain. I'm, I'm kind of looking at her like, where did that come from? Uh, but that's just the way Carla's wired. And I, I think as as God's used me to nurture her and build into her, she's now freely using some of her teaching gifts to uh, get out there and, and and lead and have more confidence to lead and do what she does best. And I think for us to love our wives, as Christ loves the church, it, it is being the houseband to fully maximize, their full potential and and unleashing the Spirit of God in their life to to, to do what they do. and I, and I think the same probably could be said about wives to really love and nurture and care for and and help your husbands uh, reach their full potential and and cheer them on and and spur them on to to being the best that God created them to be.
0: On one of your marriage Mondays on Instagram, Y'all wrote, marriage is a context for discipleship. It has a way of bringing us to our knees and pleading to God for help. Life within a family is one of the most significant contexts for Christian discipleship. Learning to live with one another in a righteous, loving, and just way is one of the most important Christian disciplines many of us face. Talk to us a little bit about what that means.
2: Well, um, a person that has deeply impacted us is Gary Thomas. And he wrote a book called sacred marriage and God was so gracious to let that book fall in our laps. We were on our way to Spain to do a family camp for some missionaries, um, in Spain and a lady had sent a box of books to the missionaries. And I remember Byron just kind of picking that book up and this was many years ago, but it was in one of the hardest seasons of our marriage. And Byron I picked
1: it up and quite honestly, as a little frustrated, because I'd never heard of Gary Thomas. And I was like, why do churches always give the crappy books to missionaries? <laughs> and then I, I started reading it. It had just come out. No, it, At that point in time, no one really knew who Gary Thomas was. I started reading it, and I read the first chapter. And I went, Carla, this guy just wrote about all the stuff we've been teaching. And, and then I read another chapter, and I got a little bit mad because I'm going, we were this guy beat us to it. Mm-hmm. Then I read the third chapter and the fourth chapter. I'm going, wow, this guy. We could never write what he writes. Mm-hmm. He's so insightful. He he uh, brought to light that 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 whole you know subline that everybody uses is what if God intended marriage to make us holy more than just happy, mm-hmm. and and it makes sense. And Gary's our age. We've become friends, and through the process of all this marriage stuff and and, and and he really is one of our favorite Absolutely. authors and has influenced our lives more than anything. But I, I think That's how for, that the,
2: mindset that you just read about kind of came about,
1: I, I think for me to, to really uh, like, like you just read about for me to that life lab of learning to forgive 70 times seven, you know, how often do I need to forgive Carla when she just keeps, Healing the carrots the wrong way and putting them <laughs> in Forgive the disposal. me for that sin. <laughs> in, in, in the disposal, when I mean she doesn't put them in the disposal. She puts them on the other side, and then it just drives me nuts. And and we've had the conversation, and I try to ask her to change it, and she doesn't. And and you know, for me the to, silly
2: things <laughs> that rub you the the worst. I mean, it's the silly things of how we do things differently that are some of the things that it's not always the huge like gigantic things. It's just the. Small irritations, the differences, the ways that we rub each other kind of wrong that grade away the intimacy.
1: And and for me to, to to learn to receive grace from Carla when for the 77th time I've done something stupid and and and, and that I know is wrong and I know that I've hurt her by because I've just kind of plowed through and tried to accomplish the task and I hurt her feelings and the deal for her to grace me for like the 777th (laughs) time that just, that, that, that transforms your insides. When you receive that kind of, of grace and forgiveness and do overs and, and restoration in a relationship, it really helps you grasp and understand on a microcosm, the magnitude of what a holy God did for us through his son, Jesus. And, you know, I think we have two options when those things happen. We can either hold our perfect picture of, of what uh, marriage should be in these high expectations of marriage. And then in the process, we end up tearing up the person or we can, can tear up some of our expectations and, and really value the person and watch what God does to to in and through their life. And Carla's graced me so many times and loved me and shown me the the love of Christ that it it it, it makes me want to live holy and be holy because God's holy.
0: I need to go call my wife uh, right now. See, there you go. Um, Byron, Carla, thank you so much for being on on the podcast. Uh, y'all are so filled with wisdom and are such dear friends and such an inspiration in my life. Uh, so so more than just the podcast, thank you for being mentors uh, and making me a, a better man.
1: You know, God's, God's teaching me the importance of leaving a legacy, but yet it's really pretty insignificant. I, we're getting to be grandparents, as Carla said, on Thursday. And I met with my great aunt, and she was telling me these stories about my great-grandfather. I barely knew my grandfather, and I'd know nothing of my great-grandfather. And it dawned on me that uh, like my granddaughter's kids really probably won't even know me. But yet I think it's so who I am is a direct result of, of my great-grandfather passing on the faith to my grandfather and my grandfather to my dad, my mom and dad really investing in us. And, and so I think it significantly changes the trajectory of a family. So that's kind of what God's teaching me is I'm pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but it's pretty important that I be a bird dog and, be, and point people to Jesus because he's the one that's going to change uh, the trajectory of their life.
2: And I think he's really teaching teaching me pretty much the same kind of thing. As we're in our late fifties now, we want to be sure that Carl is almost
1: sixty, like, oh, and I'm in my okay. mid fifties. Okay. <laughs> Whatever.
2: Play. I mean, really. <laughs> uh, but as we are approaching this season, and we moved back to Waco to do Legacy full time because we know time is short, and we know that we want to we want to finish well. So he's teaching us run hard and surrender and sacrifice and be obedient and uh, and run well. So I think he's helping us to finish strong.
0: Uh, where can we find out more about Legacy? Where are y'all, uh, website or Instagram, stuff like that?
1: Well, uh, on Instagram, at Legacy Countdown. Um, and Instagram and, and, and also Facebook, at Legacy Countdown. And then on the website, uh, countdowntomarriage.com.
0: That's perfect, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Michael, always a pleasure. And we'll see you guys next time.
2: Thank you so much for having us.